0: Well, good morning, and welcome to Treasures of Faith. This is a local production of Divine Mercy Radio. I am your host, uh, Bill Gent, and I have been very blessed to be joined by Father Ben Barinti. Father Ben is the pastor of Immaculate Conception Parish in Melbourne Beach, and Father Ben has been leading us on an Advent journey. And this is the last Tuesday of Advent, and we've been looking at the questions. Posed by some very significant biblical figures uh, from Luke chapter 1, first by Zechariah, then by our Blessed Mother, and certainly last week we looked at a question posed by Elizabeth. So, Father Ben, welcome again.
1: I'm so glad to have you, and
0: I I know that many of our listeners are just really enjoying this
1: series. Well, thank you, Bill. It's uh, really been a pleasure, and, um, you know, sometimes I think— we, who are the the doers of these things, so the priest or deacon preaching, the radio host uh having conversations you know um you're sort of doing the work and thinking that well, you already have all this together, and you know your advent is really supreme because you're telling the rest of us how to how to do advent, but sometimes the opposite is true <laughs> we're 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 lagging a little further behind, uh, especially many of the faithful are outpacing the priests and deacons, but I think one of the things I would say is um being able to share this time with you and with our listeners, um, I have plenty of time not only to prepare, but also to reflect back on. So it really has enriched my own personal uh mm-hmm. journey in the Advent season because uh you know, we talked in the very first show about just the whole spirit of the Advent season and the challenges of it and and sometimes how difficult it is and how it how it gets lost in there. And uh, you know, I know in my for my own journey too is that uh you know Some of the weeks of Advent have been really great, and there's a lot of God movement happening in my own life, and then there are other times where things have slipped away. So um, I I can appreciate the challenges of the season that our listeners go through because I've I've, I've bumped into them a few times Mm -hmm. myself during the season.
0: You know, Father, Advent is shorter than Lent, but at the same time, Lent always seems to drag, and Advent just seems to go too quickly.
1: Right. Well, there's, uh, I think, just, you know, it is shorter period of time, literally. And then, of course, uh, once again, with the craziness of the calendar, you know, last year we had the fourth, I don't even know what you would call it, wasn't a fourth week of Advent. It was a fourth 12 hours or something, <laughs> something like that we had. Yeah. So this year with the movement of the calendar, we at least get a fourth Sunday of Advent and then we're... We're ready for Christmas Eve. So sometimes the movement of the calendar. So you really don't even get a full four weeks. I love those years where the calendar, you know, is such a way that, wow, that was actually a fourth week of of Advent. So again, you know, the time period between um, Lent and Advent is on the calendar dates is shorter, but there's so much else that's happening pre-Christmas than pre-Easter and so I think that adds to the sort of the quickness of the Advent season because there's a lot of other things that are swirling around us, whereas uh, the Lenten season, not only more time, but less uh, secular activity kind of happening mm-hmm. around us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one sense we have more freedom to move around in lent but also as you say i think sometimes like oh my gosh is it still lent again <laughs> are, are we still in lent because you know our sort of american way is we we want to move things along as swiftly as possible yes. to get on to the the you next know, thing you know the next thing so december 27th the valentines will be there for your picking you know so <laughs> we're always we're always moving ahead so yeah there there's a the the speed of of uh advent um uh, Brings its own spiritual challenges too,
0: but Father, we've been very enriched in this series as we have looked at these uh, three, and now the fourth question that we're going to take a look at today. And I think what's beautiful about what you have shared over these last three weeks is we look at these uh, individuals: uh, Zachariah, then uh, blessed the blessed mother and then elizabeth and we really have seen a progression here so we began with the priest and we would typically think in terms well if luke's going to share about something that's going to prepare us for the coming of christ we better start with the clergy we better start with the priest (laughs) and then he kind of sets us up in a way doesn't he and he leads us to obviously the blessed mother You have this very innocent young maiden, maybe around 13, 14 years of age. And then we, last week, we looked at what I think was really enlightening is our look at Elizabeth, Zachariah's wife, who finds herself with child at a very late age. Now, as we move on, we're going to look at what I think is even more challenging It's almost as as if Luke is saying, okay, I've reflected on these significant individuals. How about
1: you? Right. I mean, one of the things that um, we—so first of all, I think the first chapter of Luke not only, you know, gets the story rolling toward the birth of Christ and then what Christ is going to do in his his, uh, lifetime— but Luke is writing, um, and for those listeners who maybe like to write or people that still remember writing term papers back in the day, <laughs> is li- Luke really, in his first chapter, second chapter, is really writing a true introduction. Mm-hmm. And by that I mean, uh, as, a, as a good introduction to any kind of written work is, it, it not only kind of gets the story in motion, but he's laying out certain kinds of themes, uh, approaches, Uh, we would say theology certain kind of spirituality as he is introducing us to these people the questions and the natural course of events leading up to the birth of christ and so this this first chapter not only i think is it helping us prepare for christmas uh, and make our advent journey but we're learning a lot about luke Mm -hmm. and what's important to him who's important to him what kinds of people and experiences are going to be significant once this baby grows up mm-hmm. and this Jesus goes out on his uh, ministerial life for three years. And then we get to the passion, death and resurrection. All that's really being set out here. So your reference to, you know, us meeting Zachariah at first. So we kind of get sort of the big the big event, you know, mm-hmm only time once in a lifetime priest goes into the Holy of Holies and smoke and incense and offering the prayer. And so the, there's there's high drama. We're, we would expect God to be in the midst of all of it. Exactly. And and we spoke about in that first week that, you know, it's not only the temple, but this is the Holy of Holies, the mm-hmm. very presence, uh, full presence of, of God in the midst of God's people. And yet... A guy who is schooled in these ways ends up being not so smart about these kinds of things. And so right away, uh, not only is this an experience of Zechariah, okay, hey, here's this one guy who was a priest and didn't get it. Luke is, again, introducing us into what he's going to be speaking about throughout this gospel. That in the Acts of the Apostles is, let me tell you this, God doesn't work in expected ways through the presumed people according to the customs as they are laid out so we're meeting zachariah it's a great story um he comes up on the short end of the stick but at the same time luke is also starting to you know stir the waters and saying you better keep your eye open mm-hmm. because things are not going to work with god the way you think they're going to work uh and i think how that underlines the church's whole approach to advent is remember very for out of the box every three year cycle so each of the three years i should say of the three year scripture cycle you're always beginning basically in the same place that first and second sunday of advent and that is be alert watch wake up mm-hmm. why because by the way god isn't going to be in the most obvious Mm -hmm. so when we met zachariah it's kind of like oh this is the obvious thing you know we expect to have a grand vision and the maybe in the middle of our catholic eucharist uh and maybe the vision not that obviously this isn't the source and somewhat of our worship together and sharing the body and blood of christ but maybe my real uh coming to the realization that the body and blood of christ is real is in me is going to come in the parking lot or actually my preparation to experience this wondrous sacrament happened yesterday mm. when I was tutoring kids from such and such a place, and then I came to Eucharist, and all of a sudden being poured out and broken for the life of the world is, is real. Mm. So I, I think so. Luke does a great service to us by telling us that You know, you just you better be on the alert for something more than the obvious because God kind of likes to work that way.
0: (laughs) You know, Father, if you think about it, you know, Luke was a Gentile. And so if you think about it, I almost envision that as he is writing this, it's as if he has to kind of educate himself being outside of Judaism that I've got to not only share this story, but I am learning along the way from a Gentile's perspective, how God worked through his own
1: people and how ultimately I'm also included. Right. I mean, I think that's a great, great point. Uh, you know, unlike Matthew, whose infancy narratives um, take a whole different track, yep. uh, a whole different set of characters. Mm-hmm. Um Joseph is the main player in Matthew, not Mary, Mm -hmm. because Matthew is the Jew writing to Jews, and he needs to make certain kind of connections, and so he he does his thing.
0: Make sure Jesus has that legal
1: father. Right, exactly. uh, As uh, the deacon was reading through yesterday's uh, uh, gospel (laughs) reading, making his way through the genealogy, and just when it was finished, (laughs) like most people do, proclaiming (laughs) that passage, there was just a sigh of relief. Um, (laughs) Why did you do this to me? <laughs> so why did you do this to me? And I was thankful that there really was a deacon on that day. So I didn't have to yes. do the genealogy. Um, and then, you know, want to give everybody a quiz and ask them, do you remember even three of the names that mm-hmm. were in there? You know. Mm-hmm. So anyway, Matthew's about something different. But I think that's a great point about Luke is that he is a Gentile. So he is both um, educating, but as you said, being educated at the same time. And I think the other beauty of the thing is that because... Luke is coming to this whole story that pre-exists the birth of Christ, that that yet is so integral to the birth of Christ, um, he has a way of taking a different angle. Mm. And I think that's also the beauty of of Luke is Luke isn't bound, in a sense, um, by a lot of preconceptions mm-hmm. so he can sort of push the envelope a little bit more mm-hmm. and and just simply come at it from a different uh, yeah. angle and that's mm-hmm. the beauty of of the canon of the scriptures is we do have different angles mm-hmm. and they're all true and relevant and and they all work but they work in different ways and so luke is someone who can He he raises questions, and I think one of the things that we see maybe in the very beginning is, so we're exploring four questions. Well, Luke himself, as an outsider, in a sense, coming in, he had his own questions. So maybe he's putting into the Mm -hmm. mouths of these characters the very questions he was experiencing as he is now part of this -hmm. this great uh, revelation of God becoming incarnate.
0: It's almost as if, as an outsider, he takes this very objective view and then he draws us in to the individuals, but then he really focuses us right down to where we all are. And I think he sees himself almost in this
1: question that is posed today. Yeah, I mean, one of the things we, we talked about this before is certainly in this first chapter, but as Luke's. Uh, gospel unfolds we meet a lot of really interesting people mm. uh, very interesting characters whether they're sort of right at the heart and center of a story so the good Samaritan the prodigal son the prodigal father uh, you know all, all these different characters that we meet are really fascinating people but I think one of the things that that tells me about Luke as an evangelist is he was really in touch with the lives of of real Everyday people, mm-hmm. and so it's like, gosh, mm-hmm. why is he so good at integrating yes. real everyday people into mm-hmm. things? Is because somehow Luke was, even though we understand um, tradition and scripture scholarship tells us, obviously Luke is educated, and mm-hmm. some some tradition believes he may have been a physician, and but but and, but an educated person, uh, schooled in language, um, so he had a certain set of skills. Clearly, has wonderful, magnificent narrative uh, mm-hmm. skills. But yet at the same time, he seems to be a sort of an everyday kind of guy and somehow can connect with with everyday sort of people, raises them up. And I think that's why he's so good at bringing people like you and me into the yes. picture beca- as yeah. everyday people and our listeners into the picture, because Luke has a an eye and an ear for just the regular person making their way, trying to be an intentional disciple of mm-hmm. Christ. And so I think that's. We we meet these characters already early on. Now, of course, we've raised them up on pedestals. Sure, um, but in um, one of my pursuers this morning, in talking about this passage, said, you know, one of the things that struck him about looking at these questions and these stories over the last three weeks is he said, you know, really, how Luke raises up obscurity that was his word obscurity because so, mm-hmm. when you really look at it, one level these are obscure people mm-hmm. i mean even zachariah even though he gets to go into the temple i mean there were hundreds Lots of priests, of priests yeah. and uh, there was a whole system of how they get not only um you know by uh, family heritage but also there was a lot of you know straw pulling and behind yes. the scenes maneuvering, like there is <laughs> politics, we would say. And oh, I'm surprised, you know, back in the day. So, <laughs> so in many ways, you know, Zachariah, he, so he gets his one shot to go into the into the holy of holies, and Gabriel appears him that day. But but he was pretty much probably just another obscure priest out of hundreds of them that were right. doing duty, because you know in those days priests were, you know, they weren't just uh, gathered around a sanctuary. Um, you know, we would say muttering the office all day. I mean, there, you know, they got to take, somebody's got to take care of the pigeons and somebody's right. got to, you know, clean up after the pigeons. Right. And uh, so there were many, many so there is an obscurity. There's an, obs- we'll hear in this Sunday, first reading from Micah, oh, you mm-hmm. Bethlehem, Ephrathah, yes. tiny little mm-hmm. speck in the ocean of life. The Savior mm-hmm. happens to be coming from you. And I thought that was a really good point is mm-hmm. that there is a certain kind of obscurity that luke wants us to know that you know god will make the flash every once in a while right but as but god really likes again to raise up the unexpected Mm -hmm. sort of work outside the prescribed uh boundaries and you know again later in jesus's life uh, i always like to point out to people no matter which gospel you're reading jesus's biggest trouble with anybody around him that eventually leads to the path he takes in his passion and death is because he went where he wasn't supposed to. Mm. He talked to people he wasn't supposed to Mm -hmm. for Luke. Well, of course the Messiah is going to do this because Mm. this is how God works. God works expectation. Exactly.
0: There's another uh, thing I love about Luke also. And I know we want to get into this uh, fourth question, father, but, um, Luke, again, is a Gentile. I think he has a beautiful way of weaving Judaism with Christianity, and I think there's a greater appreciation for that when you get into the book of Acts. You Very know, much see, so, you, yeah. you see where he has that appreciation. Something, unfortunately, that I think the church lost for a number of years maybe we're at the place where we're beginning to kind of rediscover that in a variety of ways but luke really does give us that perspective well i want to remind our listeners you're listening to treasures of faith and i'm joined by father ben Barinti, and we're exploring advent with luke so father uh where are we in the narrative in luke chapter one
1: all right so Uh, We are approaching today, then, uh, Luke chapter 1, verses 57 to 66. Uh, When we explored Mary, um, I sort of took us up to right before she proclaims the Magnificat. Uh, so not that the Magnificat isn't such a wonderful prayer, but it's 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 been worked quite a bit. Yes. We pray it every day in the life of the Church because it is beautiful and powerful, mm-hmm. uh, but we, we kind of left off to the side. Well, today we're going to stop short of Zachariah's great canticle, which also is part of the daily prayer of the yes. Church and has gotten a lot of uh, press. I mean, I think that was one of the things we certainly enjoyed uh, last week's conversation about Elizabeth and uh, other people who listened and uh, you know entered into this many people enjoyed elizabeth precisely because yes. like wow that woman is really something and she she's much more to her than just these couple she of little just stuck lines she's in not in the middle <laughs> exactly she's not just the foil to our blessed Red's mother right. she's and and she will take center stage once again today it's kind of like her last flash on the stage and it's going to be hey his name is john well we'll get we'll get to that a little bit later on so we're going to stop short in today's reflection uh before we get to Zachariah's canticle. so let me just share the the passage so that we can sort of be on that same footing together so we're in luke chapter one beginning in verse 57 now the time came for elizabeth to give birth and she bore a son Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown his great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him Zechariah after his father. But his mother said, No, he is to be called John. And they said to her, None of your relatives has this name. And then they began motioning to his father to find out what name he wanted to give him. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And all of them were amazed. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue freed, and he began to speak, praising God. Fear came over all the neighbors, and all these things were talked about throughout the entire hill country of Judea. All who heard them pondered them and said, What then will this child become? For indeed the hand of the Lord was with him. Mm. So we come upon this scene, sort of the last scene, um, before the actual birth of Jesus, and that narrative begins to unfold. And so we return to these two uh, previous questioners, uh, Zachariah and Elizabeth. And as we have been doing, recall our first encounter with them. So Zachariah, we spoke in that first week about, uh, because his mouth is finally opened. So mm-hmm. this, this guy has been under uh, the seal for uh <laughs> At least nine months now, and this is circumcision. So you know we're we're he he's he's been quiet for quite a bit of time, and we talked about one of the lessons that Zechariah shows us uh, is a what we call a gestational silence, a time of spiritual gestation. Mm -hmm. So coupled with the, the the child gestating literally in the womb of Elizabeth and also in the womb of Mary, is. Um, Zachariah is also having this gestation, but it's a period of great silence. Mm-hmm. Luke likes to use this word ponder uh, quite a bit. We've already heard it a couple of times, mm-hmm. and we hear it again today as the people are now uh, pondering. And the the depth of the meaning of that is is much more scripturally than just something, I'm going to toss this around in my head. I mean, there is that. It's In other words, we're thinking about mm-hmm. things. But it really is this kind of... Um, activity is something of the heart mm-hmm. it's really in the heart that that depth of mind and soul what is going on here and so Zechariah had this very extended period of time uh, in silence to ponder to pray to uh, to be renewed and luke again is going to show us um, this is a significant key in being a disciple mm-hmm. you can't just jump at things You can't expect that this, whatever, you know, the four scriptures I was introduced to this Sunday, it's all going to come and make sense to me. We've got to work with this. So he really, uh, we talked in that first week, traditionally we've seen Zachariah's bad boy punished, uh, go sit in the corner for nine months because you doubted Gabriel. uh, And then uh, when you've you've paid the price, we'll let you back in. You can come back to the big people's table again. But what we saw, what gets lost in that kind of simplistic, Uh, understanding of Zechariah is, no, something really important is going on. He needs time to process, to think about what's happening. So that sort of all comes together here. And then, of course, Elizabeth, who we met last week, child in the womb, wondering why she was so favored, both to have the mother of the Lord come to her, but why she would be favored with the child. And remember last week, we sort of focused on that little phrase that gets kind of lost in the English is, how is it that this happens even to me. me somebody like me mm-hmm. so both of them of course are in the position in the story of okay so what are, what's the outcome of God's promises going to be so they reappear here on the stage and Zechariah and Elizabeth have experienced obviously something extraordinary extraordinary in their life and they have been given time to both ponder and appropriate this news and I think you know, is before we really explore the question that is posed today, um, I, I guess I just can't emphasize that enough. And I think that's what we've been—the church tries to invite us into during Advent. Mm-hmm. I think we're reinvited into it in a different way, a different experience during Lent. Is you know, God is popping up all over the place, um, but but we need time to appropriate this mm-hmm. news. Uh, one of the things that I like to do when I do parish missions, and especially when I do uh, retreats and days of recollection for parishes and staffs and all that, is um, I like to prepare a, a handout. And as I often tell people, it's like, okay, I'm going to tell you right now, whether it's a one-hour morning of reflection or whether we're all here together today, there's a lot in this handout, mm-hmm. and don't be scared by it, <laughs> thinking like, oh my gosh, is he going to do all this in the, the two hours we're together? Because mm-hmm. the whole point of it is that we need we need time to break things open, and if and I often will tell a group that i'm with i said if you're anything like me like you know i get i get when i'm on a day of reflection some things strike me but a lot of it is like isn't until tomorrow or next week or next month and oh my gosh now i kind of figure out well i'd like to go back Mm -hmm. to that so i give a handout questions scriptures so that the the thing can keep unfolding Mm -hmm. and i think this is what we've seen happening as we reach near the end of luke's chapter one as luke has been saying you need, these people need time to process, but you and I as listeners, we need time to also ponder what's, what's been going on. So a lot of great news, but now it's the crowd and the relatives and the friends who show up and they become the key players. Mm. So what we're about to see, the po- question posed uh, in our final session today is it's not coming from an individual. It's coming from a community of mm. people. And I believe Luke is doing that very purposefully, Mm -hmm. Um, and there's a whole lot that's going on uh, with now it's not just a person, it's a group of people who are asking.
0: Father, is it credible to think about the silence that Zachariah, the silence that was imposed upon him, can that kind of parallel Israel as a nation in a sense, because You know, Malachi was the last prophet, is generally what we believe. And so there's, what, three, four hundred years of almost prophetic silence. So we see it kind of paralleled in the experience of Zechariah, and yet it eventuates in something that becomes very personal. You know, and I I think that's interesting, the way God works. You know, he's not only working a nation or a people— he's also working individuals and it's almost comes back full circle now with this last question where now he's saying to the people in general okay what do you think about this
1: where are you going to go with this right I, I mean i think a number of different things there you're mentioning is that whole uh gestational silence even scripturally from the last of the prophets to sort of the next stage of uh, revelatory word from god and uh, and i think is and this happens periodically even within the hebrew scripture old testament is we tend to perhaps think about this silence in a negative way mm-hmm almost as if it's abandonment. Like God has left us or something. God has, and people even say that, mm-hmm. you know, ha, have has God left us? Because there's this perceived silence. But when you come at it from the angle of what Luke is introducing us to, it's like God has already been pouring out an awful lot. Maybe people just don't need to hear another word. They need to think about, mm-hmm. to ponder the word, mm-hmm. the experiences, the actions of God, And sit with that. So I guess in some ways, I think I would say the challenge is, I think sometimes both biblically and perhaps on our own faith journey, we're looking for something, a revelation beyond us, Mm -hmm. outside of us. Mm -hmm. And God does work this way. Mm -hmm. But God also works with the revelation, the witness, the... um, The coming to fruition from inside of us and certainly Mm -hmm. as christians i mean if we take the new testament at its face value the whole did you not know you are temples of the holy spirit the holy spirit living within you guess what god's revelation isn't going to always come from beyond it's going to come from inside Mm -hmm. as well and i think that's the challenge for us is so it's not abandoned from god it's it's let some things percolate for a mm-hmm. while. So I think even Luke says, you know, in, in being very sensitive to the story of Israel, and he is beautifully trying to, to bring the testaments, if you will, uh, together. He's also telling us and reminding us that there's a lot going on. And that's mm-hmm. also been that part of this picture of Advent. The bud, the root of Jesse, the mm-hmm. sprout, the easily missed piece Uh, things that are growing in the darkness of the soil this is not god inactivity this is god saying i planted the seeds what's happening with them what's going on and i think that's what's leading us up to this question of the people if you will uh this week
0: most of us want god to fly an airplane and to have a trailing message that's very readable right and then that's how we want god to reveal himself but that's not how he chooses to do it although at times he will
1: yes and at times he does choose this but also what we i think what the scriptures teach us about that is even people who saw like really huge airplane banners going along in the scriptures they weren't that much more believing either they were
0: missing it, right well, you're listening to Treasures of Faith. I'm with Father Ben in our Advent series, and we're going to take a break, but on the other side, uh, we'll continue to explore the last question from Luke chapter 1. Well, welcome back to Treasures of Faith. I'm joined by Father Ben Berinti, and we're in the midst, actually, we're going to conclude our series Exploring Advent with St. Luke the Evangelist. And we've been looking specifically at the four questions that are posed in Luke chapter 1. And so, Father, remind us of this fourth question that we find in that narrative.
1: Okay, so the scene is, uh, is set, and we come to the point um, where it's time to name this child, Um, Elizabeth, once again, those who have become pro-Elizabeth in the last uh, week or so now, she's again the Tower of Faith, says the name will be John. Zechariah is healed. He's set free. Uh, Then the passage again goes beyond where we are with this great uh, prayer blessing of God that Zechariah gives. But then, as Zechariah and Elizabeth literally are are about to exit the stage, the people here, relatives, neighbors, but the people in general— they're now beginning to take things to heart. So our translation we read today is, all who heard them, this exchange between Elizabeth and Zachariah and the naming, pondered the things that they heard. So again, Luke's word for, oh, let, let's let's start, we need to start thinking about all this activity, mm-hmm. and said, what then will this child become? In other words, they're taking all this activity to heart, to the core. So we're meeting now not a singular questioner. We're really reading, meeting a community of people who are posing our question. So in a sense, the net is now cast wider than it has before. And so the experiences of these two individuals, Zachariah and Elizabeth, as well as Mary and everybody else involved, this, this experiences of this married couple, now extends beyond them, it becomes even more exclusive in excuse me not exclusive inclusive mm-hmm. and as the reality of the birth of John begins to unfold in its meaning uh, its impact, the people are challenged to inquire if there's any significance for them. Mm. Because it's one thing to think, oh, wow, great Zachariah, great Elizabeth, great Mary, uh, you know, okay, God is doing some astounding things here. So uh, we can kind of look at it as if— Is it just for them? Is it just for them? So we we can kind of fall into that uh, uh, audience-actor sort of relationship. So we're we're the audience, and then— You know, the players are coming out, so Gabriel swoops in. You know, it's kind of like watching a great Broadway play. So, Mm -hmm. you know, Gabriel swoops in, and there's smoke and mirrors, and then there's this, and then there's that. And and it's about these individuals, which it is. I mean, Luke wants to highlight the uniqueness and the the faith and the choices of these individuals. But but then he's like, well, no, the the story of Christ isn't about A, B, and C, a, a short list of people. It's about salvation for all humankind Mm. and Mm. so in introducing the people who've kind of watched all this go on um is there something in this are we implicated Mm. in this Mm. so when they pose the question what then will this child become it's not only a question about oh what's going to happen to this john Mm -hmm. it is that Mm -hmm. because we already know from the story this john as we just heard him this past sunday kind of on his big harangue about what you're supposed to do mm-hmm. i preached in my church last week i said i'm always fascinated by the, the, the what we read uh, sunday of John the Baptist and people coming to him and asking him these questions. I'm thinking, like, what were you thinking? You ask mm-hmm. a prophet yeah. what you're supposed to do with your life? Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. the very people who are yeah. supposed to turn Isn't your life. It obvious? Yeah. Like upside down, inside yeah. out. No, you don't ask those people. Yeah. And as John did last Sunday, he tells you, okay, if you're doing this, stop doing it. It's dangerous it, to ask it, them. It's very dangerous. <laughs> so, So we kind of know all of that. But mm-hmm. for Luke, the question is being posed not so much about, oh, okay, well, there's a guy, John, and, and God's activity is going to be limited to him. It really is a broader question that is posing, Are there imp- what, what's really going to come out of all of this mm. that we have, we mm. have heard? Mm. So the narrative in Luke, in a sense, has the people, the community, pushed, in our language, we would say pushed beyond their comfort zone. And we know that because if we wind back a line or two, they're trying to get the child to be named according to tradition. And I mean, and just think about the implications of that. I mean, here's, Mm -hmm. God bless them, Elizabeth and Zachariah have waited eons. Mm -hmm. There's probably not a whole lot of life left for them. Mm -hmm. The one thing you would want is, hey, you finally got a child. It's a male. Yeah. You want it to be Zachariah. That's it, Exactly. But it's not zachariah Mm. so one of the things that we're hearing already is you know here's elizabeth here's zachariah saying no god has a different plan here but the people want to as i kind of say like put the genie back into the Mm. bottle is no we need to go according to the prescriptions uh okay, it was interesting that God worked in such fantastic right, ways. Right. But but let's 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 get right. back to normal. Let's not be too crazy here. <laughs> let's not be too crazy here. Let's <laughs> let's let's uh let's kind of back off the drama mm-hmm. and let's get religion mm-hmm. and let's get life back to the yep. way it's supposed to work. And that's part of the drama of that that mm-hmm. naming there. So then when well, you know, on behalf of God, Elizabeth and Zachariah say, No, God this is about many, many more things going on Then the people have to say. Well, okay, I guess it's not just about prescriptions and comfort zones and mm-hmm. doing what's you know what's expected here, um, less conventional wisdom, if you will. So we need to think about that, and we have to say, geez, I wonder if we're going to be implicated in what's happening here. And so now. They enter, the people enter into this drama of God's doing, Mm -hmm. and they begin to wonder, what's going on here? Obviously, the obvious is not the message. Something more than the obvious, and guess what? Mm -hmm. We're included in this. Mm -hmm. So that question is really, I'd like to sort of pose it for us, and what does this mean as Luke has been trying to invite us into this journey? another way of putting it would be uh, "What's God up to mm-hmm. you know this question about you know what will this child become in a sense it's really what are we going to become mm-hmm. what's going to become of this kind of intervention mm-hmm. revelation uh this new starting point in our 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 faith journey and of course for luke as you mentioned earlier What does this mean for the non-Jew? What does this mean for the Jews who have a long story of expecting the Messiah? So it's kind of like, what will all of this be? Mm -hmm. And it's caught in the character of John. So the question I think the community is posing, and so I think that's also another um, great lesson for us, especially in our culture, is... We also want to tend to, you know, we live in a very incredibly individualistic I society. Gonna,
0: I was just going to pose that. This yep. is the
1: air that we breathe. Mm-hmm. Um, that's it's almost hard to question individualism because mm-hmm. it's so much a part of who we are. Yep. Um, I often liken it to, and I shared that this morning. I said it'd be like asking a fish, "What's it like to be in water?" Mm. Yeah. Uh, what do you mm-hmm. mean? What it, This is what it is. So mm-hmm. to, to challenge us about what individualism means, and, and certainly individualism has broken its way into the structure of the church, the way we run our parishes, the way we make yes. decisions, even the way we schedule Christmas Masses right. has a lot to do with all. So we're, we're imbued with that. And yet what Luke wants to also show here is, you know, this, this, this story isn't just—and this Jesus— Uh, isn't going to be just about you and your journey to God. It's about a people. Mm -hmm. And so while each of us are, you know, both in Advent and certainly more so in Lent, you know, we make our own individual journeys. uh, It's about us as a people. People. So what is God calling us to as a a family, um, as an extended family? What is God calling us to as people of our lady of lords or immaculate conception or holy name of jesus or saint luke and barefoot bay or uh, you know whatever it happens to be and so he has the community uh has to be front and center now because Mm -hmm. there are uh implications we know that it's a lot easier to look and say like oh good for you mary great for you elizabeth Mm -hmm. zachariah wow you had a good turnaround um you know, hey, just do your thing. You, mm-hmm. Run run with that revelation and just leave us kind yeah. of as casual observers. Well,
0: as Catholics, we like to elevate the saints, you know, and we like to kind of observe what happened to them. But we kind of like to keep them there at this elevated place because we don't necessarily want to have a similar experience in the way of being challenged to that degree in the way the saints are challenged there's also something else father you brought it out you know that we think of our experience with god and again in our culture especially because we've been so uh, i think influenced by protestantism is this idea of having it's just me and jesus but in reality i think at this time of the year the beauty of advent the beauty of our our liturgy uh, for christmas gives us an opportunity as a community because as you know father there are going to be those people who are going to show up at your parish that are only there on christmas but it isn't it wonderful that we can kind of as catholics kind of envision that the wider community is going to be there in the midst of that liturgy and our prayer ought to be that we're going to be open to the message as a community we're not going to sit in our pew and say well they're never here they won't be here next week so i'm not even going to hear what the lord is going to say but to think in terms of god wants to speak to the wider community whether you're a priester, i guess as we say
1: <laughs> or you're a daily communicant right the the many i think there's many a lot a lot of different angles there but you're right i mean this whole business about uh speaking to the community and what are the implications of us, however you name community? And, and the beauty of the fact that we have been, well, we're called together uh, every week. Um, and I, I emphasize, I think that's why worship is, is so important, is because we need to hear things together. You know, th- if you think about it this mm-hmm. way, is in, a, in a family, um, when something really important is happening and, and needs to be communicated, all right. So kind of worst case scenario, we're all gathered around some really hard decisions around a hospital bed um, or uh, parents are separating or divorcing. Um, or, uh, you know what, uh, mom had to take a new job and we're moving to California, uh, wh- whatever it is, some mm-hmm. some kind of a, a family meeting. Uh, 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 right. One of the things we know is difficult. Sometimes it is to do this is we need to be together. So that we can hear what needs to be heard together, and then we can begin to figure out what can we do. So we, we I think, we know that from our own ex- just life experiences that in critical moments, you know, you can't. We know the challenges come when. Well, mom was at the hospital bed and heard from that physician. Then my sister was there later on and she heard this. Okay, you're you're, you're getting the information, but. What does this mean? How do we Mm -hmm. deal with this is a lot harder. So we Mm -hmm. we try to bring, when we're making intervention in someone's life, hopefully for the good, someone Mm -hmm. struggling with addictions, we come together. We we come together first so that we can uh, prepare ourselves. Uh, Parishes now are starting to realize that, okay— People you're preparing for marriage, people you're preparing for baptisms. Hey, you just don't like bring the people into a darkened church to watch a video one night on baptism. Let's do these (laughs) things together so that we can sort of all hear the same thing. And then we kind of go from there. So, I mean, I think that's a very that's a life experience. So here we are, the church giving us this Advent season to come together. One of the things I was uh, sharing on Sunday in an adult formation uh, community, we had been exploring the whole business about Advent waiting. And the sort of the, the thing that I brought closure to it to was to refer back to our visitation. I said, you know, so how do you practice this kind of waiting? How do you practice looking for the promises of God? You know what? It works a lot better if you're together. Mm-hmm. Even if together means I'm with a spiritual partner, a prayer group, sunday worship and we have the model of advent waiting shown to us in this coming together of mary and elizabeth Mm -hmm. they wait together Mm -hmm. because the things that god is doing in their lives my gosh it's just a lot more navigable Mm -hmm. Um, you can explore the meaning of it Mm -hmm. together rather than our normal way of doing Mm -hmm. this i just got to figure this out myself well there is a truth to that ultimately in decisions we have to make somebody's got to make the decision I do have to come to terms with this. But to get to that point, it's so much better in community. And even as we will gather, you know, for Christmas with folks who are, you know, maybe not part of the regular pattern of of, uh, community. And, of course, here in Florida, especially us on the Space and Treasure Coast, you know, we have a lot of our, our winter residents are coming back. Uh, landing you know for the holidays and to be with us this is all part of our community whether you're there for the first time by accident or um, whatever it is and God God says there's implications for the community at large so there's there's so much to that uh, business about coming together to process what God is doing. And so I think Luke shows us that for the first time here, he'll do it again in many other uh, places, but by posing that question, what's this all about? What is God leading not only me to, mm-hmm. but what is God leading us to? Yeah. And, you know, jumping ahead to, to the Lenten season, I always, th- you know, remember this, is how do we start out this long Lenten journey of what we often think is self-introspection, self-sacrifice, self taking on new duties for for the lenten season the the opening reading from joel out of the box on ash wednesday is it's not just about you it's a call and assembly bring the people together children Mm -hmm. at the breast the Mm -hmm. elderly uh, and we all hear that this is a call for all of us and Mm -hmm. i think uh Advent is the same thing. So, yes, there's a lot of individual work to be done. Mary has to do work. Joseph, Elizabeth, Zachariah, Anna, Simeon. Um, but, boy, it sure works a lot better when, when there's a community to yes. rely on.
0: And I think, too, Father, when it comes to, let's face it, you know, when we're talking about God, when we're talking about the Trinity, when we're talking about the Incarnation, there's a certain aspect of mystery, And I think that, you know, if we will recognize the importance of gathering as community, I think we process or at least are more open to mystery when we are with others. When we're in a community, we can somehow retain a sense of wonder Even in the midst of trying to unpack mystery instead of finding ourselves alone and then perhaps just
1: saying this is too much for me, I just have to dismiss it right And I mean I think one of the things that is beautiful and we see it again today in the in the question from Luke uh, that the people are posing is part of, being open to mystery, entering into mystery is, it's got to be open-ended. So in Mm -hmm. other words, mystery works better, and that's the nature of mystery, is with a big fat question mark, Mm -hmm. not an answer. Mm -hmm. And so what Luke is doing is he's giving it these questions because that's what opens up wonder. That's what opens up amazement is, ah, let me think about this. wonder what does that mean? Why did this happen? Even me. Mm -hmm. In other words, the very... By ending with questions, then our sense of amazement and wonder is renewed. Mm-hmm. Now, you and I have, and our listeners, we have the challenge. If we know where this story is going. We know it like the back of our hand. And so it's good that we stop with a question. Mm-hmm. And it's, there really is no response to this question. No. What will this be? What will this individual be? Oh, yeah, it's going to unfold, but it's unfolding over a whole lifetime of things and it's still unfolding in our life as as believers as the disciples of christ so that and when we do it together there is much more a, a, a sense of but when we're kind of stuck in our own little uh corner a little cubbyhole, or whatever we sort of want things to be when you want to do things efficiently you pretty much put a dagger in the heart of wonder and amazement <laughs> right uh, <laughs> and we see this throughout the scriptures, too, is that even the most dramatic things eventually become normalized. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was sharing a story this morning that back in my uh, campus, college campus ministry days when I was working in Chicago, I worked at a university that was at that time primarily a, a commuter school. So traditional um, kind of campus activities, you know, entertainers, bands coming in, magicians, you know, all this kind of stuff. We usually did at lunchtime. Uh, in the main uh, dining hall because that's when the majority of students were there. were there. So we had didn't have as many nighttime events for these things because it wasn't a residential campus. So anyway, the long and the short of it is I remember one particular gathering. There was this really fascinating guy who could do all kinds of uh, manipulation tricks with Uh, juggling and, you know, was on a unicycle and I don't know, carrying a seven course meal on his head while he's unicycling (laughs) around the room. And I mean, really all these fascinating, I mean, it was just like one thing after another. And I'm like, wow, this is really amazing. But I'm looking around the room and everybody is, for the most part, like paying no attention to this guy. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're chatting. And this was actually sort of pre-phone texting days So Mm -hmm. not that was going on, but I mean, God knows what they were talking about. And just like, I'm thinking, like, do you not see this, like, yes. wonderment going on in front of your eyes and you're still worried about, I don't know, who you dated yesterday and mm-hmm. um, I don't know what bar you're going to mm-hmm. tonight? Well, the coup de grace was the guy eventually takes a six- or eight-foot cafeteria table, folds the legs up, and then props the thing on the ch- on his chin, and he is walking around what? the dining room <laughs> with a table extended from his chin and everybody is still going about their business wow that memory is a is for me is a classic Mm -hmm. of what happens even when dramatic things are happening even when you know god's activity is present with us it eventually just becomes Mm -hmm. normalized and we're not wondering anymore and
0: that's the beauty of the church father is that every year we have another advent it's as if the Lord said okay you missed it last year and you went to Christmas mass or Christmas Eve or whatever and you were only thinking about you forgot to get this person a present or whatever the case may be you lost or were unable to have a sense of wonder last
1: year but you got another chance this year right that's the beauty of the whole our cyclical life and again that's a a challenge for Again, our culture, Western culture in general, because we tend—our cultures tend to live in a trajectory Mm -hmm. always going forward. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and, you know, again, we are going forward uh, into God's future. As Mm -hmm. people of faith, we're going into God's future. And yet, um, while we're going forward, there is, at the heart of human living, uh, it's cyclical. Things keep reoccurring, and, and, and the beauty of it is we can keep revisiting. But the thing is, every time we come back to Christmas, uh, it, it's not like last year because I'm not who I was last year. Mm-hmm. I'm a year older. Um, a lot of things have happened in my life in this past year. Mm-hmm. And so as I come to this Word of God to meet these characters again, to ask these questions, if we really ponder them in Luke's language— they're going to mean so it's not the same story Mm -mm. because the you and I as a participant even as a community so looking at a community of people we're not the same people we were because of things that have happened to us individually in a parish community um, as a nation uh, in neighborhoods uh, you know we're coming out of different kinds of experiences than we did before so as we come to this rehearing and re-experience of Advent, re-experience of Christmas, we're in a different place. And so if I think if we sometimes just recognize that, then some of that wonder and amazement would come back. And and I would say another thing, since we're sort of on that, that subject and people are the question this week is, what will all of this be? Mm-hmm. What is God doing? That's a great question of curiosity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if we could recapture a greater sense of curiosity in our faith journey mm-hmm. my gosh the places that yes. God uh, could take us but yet we sometimes tend mistakenly I think not only just human nature but I think sometimes as a church in our own catechesis and our spiritual leadership and our worship is uh, we just keep repackaging the same, the same thing mm-hmm. and we don't even we don't even as leaders sometimes have a curiosity about faith and we're not inviting people into curiosity. We, we, in other words, we, we we're somehow we've taken on, we've made a spiritual adage, curiosity killed the cat. Mm-hmm. So curiosity <laughs> killed the Catholic. Yeah. You know, so, so don't be so curious. But this is what it's all about. And I think the other thing, you know, I'm grateful that during particularly this time of year, you know, we, we talk about, oh, we see Christmas through the eyes of children. And there is that, you know, beautiful uh, innocence and wonderment and fascination. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you and I who are far from childhood age can can pick up on that, hopefully. Mm -hmm. But I think where we make the mistake is that it's only for kids. Or you have to be. And of course, unfortunately, in our culture, we keep pushing back the age of wonderment and innocence. Now it's probably at about two, maybe. Right. Um, That's right. Because yeah. of what young people are exposed to today. So, I mean, you know, today your children, grandchildren, six, seven years old are exposed to things you and I never encountered until we were probably ready to graduate from college. That's so, true. But, but what I want to say is that this wonderment, this, and we see that in this question, it's about grownups too. And yeah. we can have... We could still be curious and and wondering Uh, one of my favorite poets Mary Oliver uh, says in one of her poems you know I don't want to go basically is rephrasing it is I don't want it to go to the grave all twisted and tied up and fearful she says I want to be a bride filled with amazement Mm. I I want to go to my last breath Mm. and cross that threshold full Mm. of amazement And I know that more than children are capable of because I see it in the eyes of of a whole variety of people. You know, some scripture sparks their enthusiasm or, you know, you go for an anointing and I can see this this look on somebody's face just in that moment. Or uh, I mean, so amazement and wonder of Luke and what is all this going to be? What is God asking and leading me in my life or leading us as a as a faith community? Um, it's not just for kids Mm -hmm. I mean I'm grateful for all the the kid stuff that's happening right now and it's beautiful and it's exciting and all that sort of thing but it's not just for them it's it's for us but how to introduce and I think the season we're coming back around okay we're at the peak of wonderment and uh, you know star of wonder star of light and and that's that's for grown-ups too don't don't let yourself off the hook (laughs) and,
0: and I think what we've discovered father in this series is that As Catholic Christians, it's okay to ask questions. You know, it's okay to read a passage, or as we have done here as we have explored Luke chapter 1, it's okay to ask those questions and to be open to going a little deeper into our relationship with God. To not be afraid of that or think that you're going where no man should
1: go. Right, exactly. Um, I think just in the couple minutes maybe we have left is to just sh- share a, a kind of an image that I have. And that is when I was growing up Western Pennsylvania, there was a place in uh, Ligonier, Pennsylvania, it was called Storybook Forest. Mm. By today's standards, incredibly low tech. I mean, there were no mechanical moving <laughs> parts. But what Storybook Forest was, it was every story of your childhood and all of the uh, nursery rhymes, were living in this beautiful park setting. But again, there were no animatronics or anything else. But so there was the old woman and this giant shoe that you got to climb on. There was mm-hmm. Peter, Peter, the pumpkin eater. And you walked inside this pumpkin. And, and I always remember this in light of what we're saying now, because the beauty of Storybook Forest, the whole concept of it was, you don't just read the story, you get in them you walk around in them you'll you touch and you feel and that's what the gospel writers are trying to do for us Mm. you and i have got to live into these stories live into the experiences and don't be afraid to poke around in there and 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 climb around a bit and ask Mm -hmm. questions and and explore and wonder what the implication is and not be afraid that oh i might say the wrong thing i might oh is that uh, you know is that what the church teaches about scripture uh, we know that the church doesn't speak definitively on any interpretation of scripture it just gives it to us but so this whole business uh, the gospels are in luke that's our storybook for us yes. and it's not like sitting back and watching, you know, this 3D um, virtual reality of the old woman in the shoe. It's like, no, back in the day, you had to get in, you had to mess around. And I think that's where we are, too. We are called to live into these stories, live into the experience of faith and Scripture, and move around freely. And in doing so, that's where we're going to encounter God.
0: And Father, I think what we have learned as we have uh, gone through this series by looking at these four questions, uh, the Lord is inviting us to that very thing. It's okay to ask questions. It's okay to go a little deeper. And hopefully, you know, for our listeners, Father, this Advent will have been very different for them because you have led them on this journey And as we approach uh, the celebration of the incarnation of Jesus and on perhaps that Christmas Eve mass or Christmas Day mass, they'll leave with a sense of wonder, a sense of puzzlement, and
1: yet have great joy. Well, I think we have learned, as we've seen from Luke, that God likes to use obscure figures. And so God hopefully in the last uh, four weeks has used obscure people like Bill Gent and Father Ben Berenti and Bob Grappi and a little, you know, radio station of Catholic faith here on the space and treasure coast, but using us as God's instruments. Um, and, and we've seen it done before and hopefully in some way for our listeners, God has used us again.
0: Father, can you leave us with a very quick
1: blessing? Lord, we thank you for this Advent season as we anticipate the birth of Christ into our life, into our world. May we be instruments of that bringing Christ to others. We pray this in his name. Amen.
0: Amen. You're listening to Divine Mercy Radio.